So we're, we're doing this series uh, called Covenant, and we've been talking, this is the third part of it, and by the way, we're, gonna, we're going to do that, uh, that covenant night, and I'll talk about that in a, in a minute, we're just postponing it, but uh, there's a guy in the Bible named King Solomon. Y'all ever heard of King Solomon? If you hadn't read the Bible before, you're about to hear something cool, but if you have before, do, you, do y'all remember King Solomon, and he, he asked God, God's, God basically comes to King Solomon, says you can have anything you want, anything in the world. Does anybody remember what King Solomon asked for? An invisibility cloak. That's right. Because you know what the invisible man does? Whatever he wants. No, yeah, he asked for wisdom, right? King Solomon asked for wisdom. And so God grants King Solomon wisdom. And so King Solomon becomes the wisest man to ever live. More wisdom than anybody ever. And so King Solomon, and we need to understand there's a biblical definition of wisdom. Wisdom is not just having knowledge. Wisdom is having the knowledge that God wants you to have and having the humility to do what God wants you to do. So if you're wise, you know the way of God and you do the will of God. That's biblical wisdom. By the way, can I say one more thing before I really get into the rest of this message? I love big crowds in the room and it's fun, but sometimes this is fun too. Because doesn't this kind of feel intimate a little bit, you know? Like, I can look at y'all. I see, I see you right there. I know. Like, I can talk to you. I know some of you are really excited about that. Kylie, Lauren, I can talk to y'all. Um, it just, I don't know, it's kind of cool. Some, but anywho, so King Solomon uh, had, had, he became the wisest man to ever live. And he wrote a book in the Bible called Proverbs, or he wrote a lot of the Proverbs. And one of the ones he wrote is probably one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And I'm actually going to read this one to you today from the King James Version, which I almost never do because I don't really understand it. But listen to this. King James, this is Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Isn't that beautiful? But he that keepeth the law, as happy is he. Where there is no vision, people perish. And you all know this. Where there's no vision for your home, your home begins to fade. Where there's no vision for health, your health will perish. Where there's no vision for, you know, uh, hygiene, people will begin to move away from you. I mean, where there is no vision for things, where there is no vision for a church, a church will lose its power. The church will perish. And so we need a vision for our church. And so for the last three weeks, that's what we've been doing, establishing a vision that's surrounded in this biblical word covenant. Remember, a covenant is a partnership with God. And so we believe that as we come together as a local church, we are in covenant with God for the purpose of carrying out God's will in the world. But we also believe we are in covenant with one another, meaning you belong to me and I belong to you and we belong to each other. We are the body of Christ together in covenant with one another, in covenant with God to transform the world. And so that's been the vision for our church. And um, like I say, we planned this worship night. We were going to come together and as, as like to say you were a member of this local church, you're going to come in and you're going to bring an offering and we're going to have communion. And, and when we do it, it's going to be cool. And that's the way you're going to be a member of this church for a year. Instead of signing your name on some mysterious piece of parchment, the roll, instead of doing all that, you're going to show up at this thing. You're going to be there. I'm going to be there because I don't think you make lifelong church commitments. Um, I think we make lifelong commitments to Jesus. I think your church commitment can change. You can, matter of fact, let me ask one more time. What percent of you came here from a different church? See, I think that pretty much proves the point. Church commitments can change over time, but we're asking people to make a one-year commitment here that says we're going to work it out together. Uh, Tim, if you and I got a beef, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk it out and we're going to handle it. Like, we're going to work it out together for one year. And so when we do that, that's what we're going to commit to. But between now and then, we're just sort of Riding along, hoping for the best. I had a cool message for this week, guys. Um, 
I really did. Like, I had such a cool message. It was smart. Um, it was charming. It was funny. It was witty. It was humble. It was like, it was so many. As a matter of fact, I had this idea that I was going to um, do the top 10 list of toxic church membership traits. Because I'm thinking, y'all don't tell anybody this, because I'm going to write this book under a different name, because a lot of people are going to get mad. But I've been thinking about writing this book called Toxic Church Membership. I got one less problem without you, baby. That's the tagline. <laughs> so don't tell anybody, because, you know, then it'll get out, it's me. But so I was going to put like the top 10 toxic church memberships on the deal. And I had this just great, it was going to be so fun. I was going to have so much fun today. And then I got in the office Monday, prepared for fun bill. And God showed up. And I was like, hello, God. And God said, listen, Tommy, and I, I don't have like audible conversations with God. I wish I did. But there are times when, when I feel like his spirit speaks to my spirit and I hear him. And I know what he wants me to do, you know. And so God says to my spirit, he says, before you go preach your hilarious, brilliant sermon. And it was those things. He said, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to just read one part of the Bible. And I was like, well, that seems fair. And he said, I want you to read Revelation chapter 2. And I was like, okay. And so I I decided I would yield to God and read Revelation chapter 2. And this is where we're going to camp out today because God stole my sermon. Revelation 2. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write these, write, write. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds your hard work and perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and you have not grown weary. Man, I read that part and I was so encouraged because I feel like in many ways that is our church. The last two years have been hard. There have been hardships over the last two years. Guys, I know that many of you, even right now, are dealing with with sick people and and, and you've lost loved ones and you're scared and there's things going on with your kids. Like, I know that we have endured hardships, but here we are together still. Even for me personally, like, I know I share this with y'all. I suffer with anxiety that I have to deal with from time to time. And I've got a counselor who, by the way, sent me an email just out of the blue this week to check on my family. That's the kind of counselor you want to have, an amazing guy. But I deal with it, and I have, to, I have to find ways to cope with it sometimes. And I can tell when my anxiety is flaring, not because my mind is racing, but because I have to yawn to breathe. So if, you ever, if you're ever talking to me and I'm yawning, it's not because I'm bored with you. <laughs> it's because I'm anxious. But when you see me back there saying I'm yawning, it's, it's me. Like, I have to deal with anxiety. In the last two years, my anxiety has been as bad as it's ever been in my entire life. Like, I have dealt with it in levels that I have never dealt with it before. And I've just, you know, worked through it and counseling and all those things. But it's been hard. I know it's been hard on you, and it's it's been hard on me because we have to make so many decisions. Like, it's always, I have to make a corona decision or a mask decision. And believe it or not, masks are a controversial issue in this community. (laughs) I mean, really, not all the decisions we've made over the last two years have been popular. And I have a church council and a staff, and I don't make decisions in a vacuum, but when you sit at the cafe, you don't bash the church council and the staff, you bash me. And then people come and tell me about it for some unknown reason. But so there's stress. There's been stress on me, and and yet we've endured, and you felt it. There's been stress on you, yet we've endured, and and we've made it, and we've persevered. And yet, with all those things, 2021 was the greatest financial year we've ever had as a church. 
More giving than we've ever had. We did more missions than we've ever done as a church. More discipleship, more Bible study. It was the greatest year of depth in the life of this church. Even though times were hard, you persevered. Amen. Yes, the, the ship is not sinking, and we are still here. So through all of these things, God has been good, and we, the church, have persevered. And for that, we should celebrate. And so I read that part, and I was like, yes, thank you, God. And then I read the rest of the verse. And this is where, and again, I'm, this may be me just doing my own personal counseling session in front of y'all where I'm just venting, but this is where God broke my heart a little. But maybe someone else will connect. In verse 4, it says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Translation, you forgot about your first love. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove the lampstand from its place. When God talks about removing your lampstand, he says, I'm going to remove your power. I'm going to remove everything you got. But that verse right there where he says, yet you have forgotten about your first love. Um... I think that was me in 2021 in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, as I look back over, over my year, I realize I fell out of love with Jesus in a lot of areas, and it hurts. So much of what I was doing, I mean, I was there like I was doing the things, but I was losing some of the joy in it. You know, like when my phone would ring, it would almost make me cringe. Like, oh, I don't want to talk to this person. When a Facebook message would come through, I would just jump off Facebook. Especially when I found out that people can see when you're online and they'll send you a message when you're on there. And I was like, ah! And like I would go places and do things, but I didn't, my heart wasn't in it. What I realized was I was serving God, but I wasn't loving the God I was serving. I was doing the things of the church, but I had fallen out of the one who makes the church great. I, I fell out of love with him. And so I realized there is a problem in my heart that needs to be fixed. I've lost some of my love for God. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, then I gain nothing. If we're doing church work, and if we're in groups, and if we're giving, and if we're serving, and if we're doing all these things, but we don't love Jesus the Christ, then all we're doing is making noise. Guys, you, you can serve poor people all day long, but if you don't love Christ, you're just a charity. If you're, if you're serving people and feeding people without love for Christ, you can fill their belly, but you cannot save their soul. If, if you're serving people and, lo and loving people without love for Christ, then you can meet a natural need, but you cannot make supernatural change happen in the world. Those things don't happen apart for love for Christ. So we must stay in love with Christ. And for many of us, if we're honest... Something's come between us and God. The world got busy. The world got busy. Here, here's what I've learned, and this is, my, this is my big point for the day. So you write something down, write this down. We are not naturally good at selfless, sacrificial love. We as people are not naturally good 
at being selflessly, sacrificially in love. Matter of fact, Brooks, you've worked with little kids for a long time. What percent of the little kids you encountered would you say were naturally good at selfless, sacrificial love? Zero percent? Goose egg? I mean, we're not good at it. You have to teach kids to be selfless and sacrificial. We are not normally, because in our hearts, most of us, what we really are is selfish and prideful, and I want what I want, and I want it my way. And most of our relationships are something that feed what I want. And so selfish, sacrificial, selfless, sacrificial love is incredibly difficult for us. It's hard, man. And that's why I love that this verse is so incredibly practical. It says, repent and do the things you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. I will remove the light. I will remove the power. I will remove the passion. If you don't repent, I will remove it. Go back and do what you were doing at first. I'm not going to ask this, but I will answer for us. Uh, I've been to marriage counseling. Uh, in the first one, I was like, how many people have been to marriage counseling? And everyone just looked at me like, no, you can't ask that. Christy and I have been to marriage counseling. One of the things a marriage counselor will tell you is, if, you, if, if your marriage is fading, if the light is fading, if, if the friendship is fading, if the fire is fading, go back and do what you were doing at first. Do the things you were doing when you were passionate about each other. And so, like, if, if Christy and I don't occasionally have a fun date night together, we can feel it, can't we? And we can sense it in our home. If we don't occasionally go away to a hotel together, or, or like a, a campsite together without kids, without, it is not refreshing for your marriage to take your kids with you. If you're taking your kids everywhere you go, you are crashing your marriage. Where's Billy? I need an amen. Thank you for the love. But like if we don't do those things every now and then, we can feel it. And every now and then we'll begin to get testy with each other. And we know why we're testy with each other, because we've spent no real quality time together. We haven't spent the time together. And so we might still be doing things that married people do, but we're not doing them very nicely. I'm doing the dishes now, Christy. I hope you hear this. The bowl is in the dishwasher. You know what I mean? I'm feeding the dog. I hope you know it. I'm doing what married people do. Dang it. Doesn't it, get, I mean, doesn't it get like that? If you don't have an adventure, if you don't go away, if you don't spend some time together, if you don't invest, listen, love, noun, emotion only happens when love verb is present, when you're doing things to keep the love alive. You got to do the work to keep the love alive. Otherwise, you begin to go through the motions, but it doesn't feel like love. Same thing with Jesus, man. You can come to church without being in love with Jesus. You'll show up, but there will be no passion. You'll stand up when we're singing, but you won't worship. You'll give, but you won't sacrifice. You'll serve, but there will be no supernatural change. If we've fallen out of love with Jesus, we've got to find a way to fall back in it. And again, like I said, it's hard, guys. The last two years have been hard on our souls. Our souls are saturated. Now, not only am I carrying my burdens and the burdens for my family, I'm carrying the burdens for this church. And then if I get, I get on my social media at night, right before I go to sleep, because that's what brilliant people do, and I scroll, and now I'm carrying the burdens of the whole world. 
Because every single story of corona and death and whatnot I'm seeing, I'm scrolling, and I'm absorbing burdens to the point where my soul is so saturated I cannot even think. I'm overburdening myself with burdens my Creator never wanted me to carry. We are finite beings. We are limited in, in our mind, in our heart, in our space. We cannot carry the burdens of the whole world, but that's what we try to do. And the reason we're disconnected with Christ is because we're overly connected with everything else. And you can only serve one master. And so something's got to change. And I've realized in me that something is wrong. And if I'm going to pastor you in the way that you deserve to be pastored, then I have to do it out of love, not out of obligation. And so I am going to fight to stay in love with Jesus. And this is the point of the message, or I've, I've got a note right here that says, tell them what to do. And then it said, question mark. And I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. This is hard. I mean, uh, when, when we begin to talk about what we need to do to stay in love with Christ, the first thing we need to do, the very first thing before we do anything else, because anything else becomes a checklist of to-dos if you don't do this first, you get on your knees and you beg the Holy Spirit to open your heart and mind and help you fall in love with Jesus. You cannot fall in love with Jesus without Jesus. You cannot fall in love with Jesus through works. You fall in love with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, who then opens your heart to do works out of love. So the first thing you do, and the first thing I'm doing, it's what I've been doing back there all morning before I've come on, is God, help me to love you more. Help me to love you. But as I'm doing that, as I'm praying that prayer, there's some other practical things I think we can do. So I was, I was looking at this part of the message and kind of figuring out what to do. And I got a book sent to my house. Didn't know who it was from. This is a true story. This, I'm not exaggerating. Yeah, I exaggerate some stories to make it, but I'm, this, is, this is true. This is true. I got a book sent to my house in Christie vouch for it. And, uh, and I opened it, and I don't normally read paperback books because, you know, they're, they're annoying, and, and like I, I like an iPad, so all my books can be in one place. And so, but I started reading this paperback book because Christy wanted me to come to bed at some ridiculously early time, like 7.30. And so I'm laying in bed, and I'm reading this paperback book, and it just begins to minister to my soul. And the book is called Get Your Life Back, and it's by John Eldridge. And come to find out later, my mama is the one who mailed it to me. I know. But like, get this book. But as I'm reading this book, God is opening my eyes to some things uh, that I needed to hear, some, some glaring weaknesses in my spirituality and some areas where I can greatly improve. And one of the things he mentioned was this, and that's why I've got my phone up here. It is a one-minute pause twice a day. One-minute pause twice a day. And so I hope you guys, but I, I want y'all to hear this. Matter of fact, we're all going to take this pause together. So everyone just kind of shut your eyes all around them. We're going to take a one-minute pause together while I play the one-minute pause from the one-minute pause app. So hold on, hold tight. Listen to this. I give everyone and everything to you. I give everyone and everything to you, God. I give myself to you, Jesus, for union with you. I am created for union with you, God. I give everything in me for union with you, Lord. I need more of you, God. Fill me with more. 
That's good. That's enough for now. That's enough for now. Isn't that beautiful? One minute twice a day. And you know, so I've been doing this for, I don't know, what, a week or two now? And, and like, what, a couple weeks? And every time, I, the first few times I did it, that whole one minute, I was thinking about something else. Like I'm having to train myself for one minute. One minute, guys, to pause and just be in the presence of God. And my hope is on the app, the app, you can go to three minutes after a little while and then 10 minutes. And so it's hard. The second thing I think that I need to do for my relationship is I need an adventure with God. I need something. Like every now and then, Christy, I need to go away to a hotel or go camping. With God, I need the same thing. Every now and then with God, I need an adventure. Like I need to do something this year that causes me to trust God a little bit. Maybe that causes a little fear. Like I think we're going to do our first global mission trip this year. And my my sister-in-law, Mandy Jones, putting that together. Maybe that. Or maybe I need to answer the phone next time Deanna calls me. Because every time Deanna calls you, she is calling with an adventure. If Deanna calls you, I can promise you it is an adventure waiting on the other line. And we answered the other day, and it's, it's an adventure. We ended up buying a camper. I mean, Deanna calls, who knows where you're going. Maybe I need to give more. I don't know. Maybe I need to do something that, like a new financial commitment that causes whatever it is. I don't know what it is for you. I can't define it for you. But when is the last time you did something that scared you enough to cause you to trust God? Because the more you trust him, the more you love him. But if there's no adventure in the relationship, then the relationship is lacking, isn't it? Maybe you need an adventure with God. Here's the next thing I did. This is probably my favorite. Because it can't be, it can't be all big moments. Because I think God wants to present himself to me in a lot of small moments at small times. But the, the noise of the world drowns out so many of the small moments and the small times. So check out what I've got to fight. This is how I fight my battles. It's a flip phone. This is my Sabbath phone. This is my Friday phone. When I'm off, and if you're wondering if you're going to get the phone number for this, ask yourself this. Do you currently have the phone number for it? That's the answer to your question. No one's going to have it. Because on my days off, I love you guys, and I love this job, and I love this community. I want to be there every single time. But I am a finite being. I'm limited in what I can do. And so I'm going to take this burner phone. I'm the only man who's ever had a burner phone that his wife knows about. (laughs) So I'm going to take this burner phone, and I'm going to carry it with me on the weekends and on my Sabbath. And if I'm alone with my wife, alone with my daughter, alone with my son, so that I can actually be present in that space that I'm in. Right? And, and, And like this is, I am so excited about this. It only costs $32. You can get one. Walmart sells them. You can get it paid minutes or whatever. But like, if I have this phone when I'm, when I'm deer hunting, I'm sitting in the, in the most beautiful place in the world. You know what I'm doing? Carrying all your burdens and all the burdens of the world because I'm scrolling. I, I, and I, I don't have the discipline to not. This, if I carry this, I have to make the choice 75 times a day. If I carry this, I only have to make it once because the rest of the day I can't get on the internet. And if you text me, it's going to take 72 minutes because I have to A button four times to get to the, it's like K is two fives, two five, six, six, six. No, no, I'm not doing it. The other thing Christy and I have talked about is we're going to have phone free zones in our home. 
It'll be safe. The dinner table, I just want to throw this out here. Make it a phone-free zone in your home. No phone at the dinner table. And if you're having dinner with someone and you set your phone on the table, what you've told them is you're slightly less important than my phone, so I'm just going to keep it between us just in case. Don't even flip it upside down. That's just, that's just, yeah. just get it out of the kitchen. And so we are creating phone-free zone. And this seems like menial things. But they're not menial things because I want to connect with God in small moments. I want to connect with God throughout the day. I want to have these pauses. I want to have this space in my life. And to have these things, I have to fight for them because they will not happen naturally. Because the world is pulling me. And the world is calling me. And the world says, the church can't survive for 30 minutes without you, Tommy, even though Chris does a fine job and you're not here and everyone says he's better than you. Eat whatever. (laughs) I hear your little Facebook comments. (laughs) Yes. I mean, come on. We've got to believe that we need to step away. I'm going to take several trips this year alone. Alone. Like, without anybody. Just by myself. Last year, I went camping on an island one time by myself on Lake Washtenaw. It was a brilliant choice. I made two mistakes. You know what they were? I brought this and my iPad. Well, the Razorbacks were playing basketball. (laughs) But still, like... I want to create space. And so I'm going to go alone this time and, and really be alone. My family and I, we're going to go somewhere where we have to serve. Hopefully somewhere where we're scared. Like this, this is what it takes. Because falling in love with God is what it's all about. Because I, I want you, I want you to, to be fully connected here. I really do. With my whole heart, I desire that because I desire to be fully connected to you and I love you. And I want, you, I want you to give here, and I want you to serve here, and I want you to join a small group here. And those are things that I truly want because I think they matter. But above all of those things, I want us to be in love with Jesus Christ. And, and, and we can't make that happen. That is an act of the Holy Spirit and a, and a submission of your free will. But if you want to be a good member of this church, if you want to be a good member of the body of Christ, fall in love with Christ. And maybe you're here today and you've never been in love with Jesus and you go through the motions every week, and you come here, and you leave every week, and you're like, man, nah, I don't know, that didn't really do it for me. Maybe you have yet to fall in love with Jesus. And so here's what we're going to do. Ben, you guys can come on up here. On this last song, we're going to do it a little different than we normally do it. We're going to sing a song, and it's a... Uh, Ben's still here? Yeah. We're, we're going we're gonna to sing a song, and it's... Um, this is probably my favorite song out right now. But I think part of what is so incredible for us... Part of what helps us stay in love with Jesus is remembering that all good things come from Jesus. Like, have you ever had a moment of peace? You ever had a moment of joy, a moment of happiness? That, that was a gift from God. You ever had a moment when you weren't worried, when your anxiety wasn't flaring, when you weren't expecting the other shoe to drop? That was a gift from God. And so what I want us to do today as we sing this final song is I just want you guys just to sit I just want you to bow your heads. And what, what we are going to bless you with is about a three and a half minute pause where you just sit quietly and let the band sing this over you as a prayer. And pray it, pray, pray. But in this moment, take the peace because it's hard to come by. Take this pause and enjoy it. And while they're singing, remember why you love Jesus.
sit in this space together, one body. Got to think for everyone who's honest, we know that we want more of you. God, for many of us, we're, we're questioning, why, why do I feel nothing right now? Why? I'm just numb. God, I just pray that even in this moment, even as we, before we leave this space, there would be this great reminder that you loved us first. That we love you because you love us. That you are the initiator. We are simply responding. We don't start a relationship with you. We respond to what you've already initiated, to what was so clear on the cross when you died and, and so clear in the grave when you resurrected and so clear over and over in this pursuit of us. And, and some of us, God, we don't even know why we're here. And we're here because we've been called into this place by the spirit of the living God. And though there may be days when we fall out of love with you, there has never been a day when you've fallen out of love with us. You are never uncertain of the ones you've chosen. God, there has never been a day when you have fallen out of love with us. Before the foundation of the earth, you loved us. And still today, here in this moment, we seek to know what our soul longs for, and that is the face of God. Lord, give us the wisdom to love you. Give us the wisdom to know what we need and to do it. God, whatever it is, Speak, speak to their hearts. Speak truth, God, and we will follow. We love you, Lord, and we trust you. And we want to love you more because we know how much you love us. It's in Christ's name I pray, amen.